Off the ball. You two lads are from Leinster, so it's no wonder you're given out of the provincial championship. I don't want to take away the provinces. Who grew the geographical lines back in the day? It's because of the way that the provinces are broken up. Subscribe to the OTBGAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Gaelic football on Off the Ball. With AIB, proud sponsors of the GAA Senior Football Championship. Check out hashtag the toughest for more. Now you're very welcome Max So happy to bring in Mr Keith Higgins Who played for Mayo From 2005 to 2021 He is a four time Old star He was young footballer Of the year as well In 06 So he knows a thing or two About games against Dublin Keith evening Thanks for the time No problem Joe Thanks very much for having me What was your reaction When you saw the draw? Uh, Yeah typical Um, (laughs) I think it was probably The exact same reaction As the week before You know it was you know, when you're seeing the lineup or the potential opponents they could have got, he just said, right, yeah, it just has to be Dublin, doesn't it? Um, but look, I think from a Mayo point of view, it's actually a good draw for them to get. I think the fact that it's Dublin, kind of, they refocus fairly quick, you know, it's a quick turnaround. So, um, you know, if it had been an Dublin, just, just trying to expect to the other teams, but because it's not so much maybe of a history or because it's not Dublin, do you know what I mean? It might have been a small bit difficult for them. So I think the fact that it was Dublin just means it's kind of very easy to reset the minds fairly quickly. Yes. Well, we'll chat about the game in due course. I was uh, glancing at your record. So you've played Dublin on 12 occasions in Championship. They were all either All-Ireland semi-finals or All-Ireland finals. So 06, the famous melee before the game in front of the hill. Uh, Kieran McDonald and that left boot. Uh, joyous art, poetry in motion. So that was 06, a Mayo win. And then 2012 in the All-Ireland semi-final, a three-point win for Mayo as well. And then Dublin win the final in 13. There's a draw in the semi-final of 15, but Dublin win the replay. 2016, another draw, this time All-Ireland final. Dublin win the replay. 2017, when a lot of people thought Mayo had Dublin, Dublin came through and won that one. 2019, All-Ireland semi-final, Dublin win that one. 2020, the COVID All-Ireland Final, Dublin win that one. And then 2021, Mayo, uh, very memorably in the semi-final, uh, win 17 points to 14. So it's bookended by some nice times, Keith. But i got to be honest, through the middle there, it's not terribly <laughs> pretty. Oh, it, does, it doesn't make great reading, really, does it? Um, I didn't need you to be kind of reminding me of all that now. But, um, no, apologies. That, that very much for the listener, not you. I suspect you, <laughs> I suspect you knew all that somehow. Thanks very much, yeah. Um, yeah, look, like you said, I suppose... A couple of nice ones there to start and finish it, but um, a lot of tight ones there in between that we we kind of came out the wrong side of on each of them. I'm afraid, you know. I think bar maybe what 2015 when there was I think it was a six or seven in it in the end in that replay semi final, you know, 13, 16, 17, you know, very little in them games really. John you know, 19 as well they pulled away in the second half, but you know for the majority of them games was very very little in them. So there's some great battles, but like you said, the uh, the record isn't good. 1617, that period felt particularly on a knife edge, the rivalry. There was really very little in it. Yeah, and I think that kind of carried on from, it kind of carried on from probably 13 and even 15, you know, the, the drawing game in 15, even though we didn't play well, I'd say for maybe 55, 60 minutes that game, we managed to get a draw out of it, you know, probably seven or eight minutes of chaos at the end of the game, we managed to scrape a, a draw and, um, again, that's probably flowed over then into 16. And I don't remember a huge amount about the drawing game in 16, but I just don't think, it, again, it wasn't really your classic, you know, the body football wasn't great. It was a wet day, a lot of mistakes. Um, and again, we just kind of kept hanging in there. And, 
you know, people will kind of point to, I think, the Jeremy Connolly sideline that day that he kind of went for went for the shot to go two up and we kind of worked the, the level and score from that. So, yeah, I think 16, 17, 17 was probably the one. So from a Mayo point of view, we'll all talk about it, maybe having left behind the fact that we probably were playing our best football at the time. And, you know, we kind of, obviously after Lee's goal, going two up, put us in a strong position. But look, Dublin weren't three or four time or five time All-Ireland champions at that stage for no reason. I, w- I remember 17 very well and saying to Anthony Moyles, we were there for news talk and had been presenting the show from Crow Park for the day. And I, I did say to Anthony, oh, they've done it. They've actually, they're about to do this. You know, it's uh, 1951 can be um, put to bed. Do you remember thinking on the pitch in so much as you have time to think of anything? Most across your mind, this this is starting to feel like this could be the one because you were in such a great position in the closing stages. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah, I'm not just saying it. I genuinely I didn't really think that at any stage. You know, I, obviously, if we felt strong, we felt we were doing well. And yeah, I remember Lee getting the goal. And my abiding memory of that game is when he got the goal, it was just the ground felt like it was literally shaking. You know, the, the atmosphere, the, you know, it was a scorching hot day. Everything just kind of added to it. And I just remember this just felt like the whole ground was vibrating after that goal. But um, yeah, again, it never just, I suppose, the fact that it was Dublin, it was, it just never felt like we were in a really comfortable position. Obviously, going two up, you felt like we we're in a strong position, but just never ever felt comfortable. And I think, I think James McCarthy came down and got a, a vital score for them not long after that and just kind of settled things. And then once it came back to a one point game, it was, you know, it was back to Kennedy Square one again where there wasn't much in it. So, um, but yeah, I think 17, even though there was, a few kind of tight squeezes along the way in the qualifiers against Derry and against Cork, Ross Common, yeah. <laughs> Kerry, you know, you could name them all really, but um, it just felt like that year we were just feeling, I suppose as a unit, we just felt very strong, felt like we were playing really good football. Obviously, Lee was on fire, Andy was on fire. Mm. Um, so we just felt like we were in a really good place going into that final. What do you feel was the difference ultimately on reflection? Um it's very, very difficult to say. And again, I'm not kind of trying to dodge the question or anything. I think people will kind of point to lots of different things. And, you know, it's probably Merton each of them going down, to both teams going down to 14 probably didn't suit us as well. You know, probably if it was a bit tighter, it might have suited us when we did go two points ahead. Mm. Um, but again, you kind of, people often talk about that kind of knowing how to win. Obviously, Dublin had that. You know, even if you look back on it, when Dean Rock kicks the... the the last score, they go a point up. Um, <clears throat> I think the next kick out goes out over the sideline, but they just retained the ball so well for that minute and a half. They actually went back to Stephen Cluxon right down in the far corner at one stage. Yeah. But there didn't seem to be any bit of panic about any of the players. Which at, they the, were just, at the time was quite memorable and eye-catching by the standards of six-minute periods of Roscommon possession. Now it's like, well, obviously it's, it's not such a big deal. But at the time, it felt very sophisticated. Yeah, I'd say at the time people thought they were crazy. But again, there was just no panic with them. Again, as soon as that ball went over, I think I was actually on this, the bench for the last kind of minute or two minutes of it. But um, as soon as that ball went over, like everyone of their forwards just grabbed onto a man and pulled them to the ground. So yeah. they nearly had, I suppose, discussed what would happen in those situations. Ball went out of the side and they retained the ball right back down at the corner. I think, think Killing might or Aiden might have come really, really close to actually intercepted one of the passes and it probably would have been an open goal. But they just did it so well. They controlled the ball so well and they just saw out the game. So I suppose a lot of it is just that composure when you're in a winning position, knowing what to do. Whereas I suppose for us in hindsight, probably, you know, the pressure of 
60 odd years or whatever it was, was probably always kind of in the back of the mind without really wanting to acknowledge it. Mm, that's interesting. I'll come back to that in a moment. To what extent did the Dublin players dragging all the Mayo players down, as you referenced, did that um, uh, cause resentment or lead to no. bad blood on the Mayo players' part? Not at all. Look, I think. All is fair. Yeah, as much as people don't want to admit it and people say it's not pretty at the end of the day, if the roles were reversed and redid that, you know, Mayo people would be telling us we did the right thing and we were heroes for doing it and whatever, you know. So, like I said, you have to do what you have to do. It was, I think, maybe Kieran Kilkenny get a black card at that stage. I'm not 100% sure. I think one person did. But look, you do what you have to do. Yeah. I mean, you have a two minutes left in Ireland final to win, four, was it four in a row at that stage, three in a row? Mm. You're not going to have any begrudging on what they did. If you have to throw GPS at someone taking a free, you do it. You should have just got a water bottle or something. And I see a video of some club game where they threw a water bottle and put your man off. You should have got something bigger. But <laughs> yeah, look, I think you, you, like I said, at that stage, without kind of really wanting to sound into the whole dark grass, you have to do what you have to do at stage. It's just yeah. to win a game. And if the stakes are that high at that stage, you wouldn't begrudge anyone. You talked there about the weight of history on Mayo 51. There's also, I suppose, something interesting across that decade. You win in 12 in that semi-final. At that stage, Dublin are defending All-Ireland champions. But you couldn't say in 12, Dublin had an aura. But across the decade, certainly from the outside, the, the rest of us looked at Dublin and they were beginning to obtain an aura as they went on mm. this run of winning All-Ireland after All-Ireland. Uh, what did their continued success do, do you suspect, to Mayo Mines? Because for every other team in the country, for sure, Dublin had an aura it, it it can't have helped to watch them continually uh, win you know if you th- uh, uh, yeah, degree was, of like self, self I suppose, yeah like yeah. I mean but did it make them kind of uh, did they loom larger in your mind like geez these guys are actually unbeatable did you did you buy into that no no definitely not I think you know you speak about 2012 there and I can distinctly remember actually the league game in 2012 um, you know if you look back on it we played Dublin league game in Castlebar and it was actually called off at half time due to the fog and like they were giving us a right good beating at halftime that day. Right. So whenever that game was refixed, then again, it was down in McHale Park. And we really put a big emphasis that day on going after Cluxton's kickouts. You know, at that stage, I suppose they were kind of really getting to go with this, the quick kick out and getting off really quick and going short. We put a massive emphasis on kind of just pushing up as high as we could that day. Mm. And that win, I think, gave us that confidence that we could beat Dublin. Um, obviously they said they were Reynolds Ireland champs at the time and that fed into the, the 12 semi-final you know we didn't hold any fear of them that day and like I said we went 10 points up at one stage in the second half and obviously we're probably just about held out in the end but we really had that confidence that we could beat these guys and I think then you look at 2013 neither team really played well in that final and there was only a point in it again so again we, we knew we weren't far away from them we knew there wasn't much in the teams mm. I think when we used to do the matchups and all that we felt like we were well matched them felt like we were as good if not better and physically conditioned for them right um so there was never any real fear of it um yeah i used to be frustrated that they had a couple of lines back pocket and we hadn't when we felt we were just as good as them but obviously history and the track record might suggest otherwise yes. so there was never that sense of inferiority complex no no what do you think the weight of 51 uh what factor do you think that did play in mayo mines subconsciously yeah. or otherwise I know it's hard o- I think almost. it's probably more subconsciously and I don't think probably any of the players would really admit it but I think you know obviously it was addressed at times that you know they had nothing to do with that group of players the, the big gap you know we could only focus on what we'd done in the last couple of years or going through the next couple of years or at that present time so mm. we obviously try and go through all that psychological side of things but 
I think deep down or like subconsciously it has to have an effect. You know, there's, there's so much talk about it. There's so much talk about reasons why we hadn't won at Ireland's and we were unlucky and we weren't unlucky and all this type of stuff. But I think it, it is in the back of your mind and there's nearly that... Uh, I, I don't know. I find it, find, find it hard to put into words kind of how we need to describe it, but I think it kind of has to be in the back of your mind. The fact that there's so much noise about it, the fact that it's talked about all over the country, all over the world at times yeah. about this whole curse and everything, it, it, it has to play into it. And it's, it's nearly this kind of that, I don't think it's a fear of kind of going on and breaking that eventually, but it's just, it is in the back of your mind, I think subconsciously more than anything. I just say, I just do find it very hard to put into words, Yeah, but I think there has to be something to it. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. And it is hard to put into words. It does feel in the ether. It does feel in the stadium. There's almost like a, my God, what'll happen if they win? (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's probably sometimes, you know, you get into such a strong position and again, without thinking about it, it's it's in the back of your head. And next thing that nearly kind of weight just kind of nearly comes down on you that maybe you could be about to do something special here. And maybe it kind of freezes lads or maybe it just kind of holds lads back a small bit, nearly that fear of making the mistake that could cost you, Mm -hmm. nearly holds people back. So it's nearly kind of counterproductive, I suppose. The the Um, stakes become almost too much of a burden. Yeah, and I suppose in other games, you know, in semi-finals, you might think, right, you might take a chance on something, and if the if you don't, if you make a mistake, it's not an Ireland final. Whereas if you do that in the Ireland final, you make a mistake, the next thing you could be the someone who cost me one Ireland final. Do you know what I mean? So again, I think it's all in the back of your mind without actually thinking these things through in your head. It probably is in the back of your mind at some stage. Yes, because no more so than 06 or other years, or even twenty one against Dublin in the semi-final you kind of always like you feel like Mayo will win their fair share of semi-finals even ones they might not deserve to win you never feel they'll win a final they don't deserve to win and again that tie, that just ties into that 51 thing a little bit yeah I think if you probably look back at that period we probably, we probably played some of our best football in quarterfinals and semi-finals yeah. when that level of pressure probably wasn't there so again there probably has to be a reason behind that you know and uh, so um, you said you would talk about it so is that like in quite a formal right we need to let's sit around here and let's actually just talk about this in a team meeting in a circle or is it one-on-one with psychologists or, or how was it addressed specifically Keith? yeah i i can't actually remember the specifics but i'm just i'm pretty sure there was times with i think probably psychologists that w- would have been addressed we never went into it in a huge meeting where we had an hour long saying this going on about this and that yeah. but it would have been mentioned briefly like I said going back to the whole thing is that we couldn't control what had happened the previous 50 years mm. or 60 years mm. you know so you're kind of trying to nearly not play it down but you're just trying to realise that it's got, what happened 60 years previous had nothing to do with you you can only kind of control now so it was mentioned but again it wasn't a case where we had hour long meetings yes. trying to kind of get out everyone's head you know what I mean there's a delicate point between acknowledging it and, and unpacking it a touch without it, yeah. letting it be an obsession it was interesting recently, uh, Glenn Ryan was talking about his annoyance that Kildare were playing Dublin at Crow Park. It's very much Dublin's patch. Mm. The interesting thing with your Mayo team is because of the athleticism and I suppose because of the frequency with which you played at Crow Park, there was just a sense, well, it was very much on even terms. Did you feel on All-Ireland final day where in theory it's 50-50 ticket allocation and Mayo fans... Uh, know how to get their hands on them uh, so that you were well represented but did did it feel to you like Crow Park was very much their patch and you were away from home? No, absolutely not. No, never. I think, again, if you look at that period probably from 2011 onwards, we'll say 2020 or 21, whatever you want. Like obviously, we anytime we would have played Dublin, even the league was in Crow Park so we were kind of very used to playing there. Mm. 
Um, we were used to playing quarterfinals, semifinals. You know, we had been there on so many occasions um, that it never felt like it was a case that they have something, some kind of advantage on us. We used to kind of tell ourselves we, we wanted, to, that's where we wanted to be playing. We enjoyed playing there. We, we thought the pitch suited us. We thought the ground suited us. Um, like I said, you mentioned there the fact that our athleticism, we kind of felt that it, we got the best out of ourselves physically and speed-wise on this, on, on a pitch like that. And again, there's something about Crow Park. It nearly made, it plays a bit faster than other grounds, you yeah. know, so you can play the ball a bit faster up there. So again, we kind of bought into all that and we played up to all that. So as soon as we got to Crow Park, we told us, right, this is where we want to be. So regardless whether it was Kerry or Roscommon or Tyrone or Dublin, that's where we wanted to be. So it was never that inferiority complex because it felt like their ground ran like that. And like you said, in fairness, the couple of kind of games that stand out for me, you're looking at 0-6, 12 and 17 Mayo Dublin games, like because both sets of supporters are just fanatical, really, is the best way to describe them. So they always created such a good atmosphere that it always felt like it was 50 50. Mm. So you never felt like you were kind of outnumbered or anything like that. So, um, yeah, no, absolutely, definitely. We never kind of felt like it was, yeah, we were walking into their territory, I suppose, is a better way of putting it. Yeah. Well, I mean, even just take you as an example, and you could name. Uh, he's at the top of your head 10 other Mayo players but I mean you're made for Crow Park you want to be racing in possession uh, on a Crow Park turf not a heavy provincial ground all day long yeah and again I suppose a simple thing of kind of looking obviously kind of GPS and all that kind of stuff was kind of coming in through those years and a simple thing of kind of looking at the top speeds that we'd hit throughout the year and it was always done in Crow Park right. you know and it kind of they're the small things you'd kind of look at or buy into coming up to a big game is going, well, look, you're flying, you're hitting your top speeds there the last day. This is where we want to be playing. So small things like that always kind of fed into our confidence anytime we played in Crow Park. Mm. What's Keith Higgins' top speed? Uh, I think we used to do a small bit. I think it was kind of was it 34 kilometers or something like that. Five maybe. And you, um, you could maintain that for half an hour. No, no, that's just kind of like a one-off kind <laughs> of burst. So, Jesus, But, uh, yeah, I think other teams do it differently. They kind of did it kind of meters per second or something, but okay. that's kind of how we used to do it. But, um, yeah, like Paddy Dirk and Leroy, these boys are always clocking up huge speeds. Were they? Okay. I'll take note of that when I'm driving the car home and I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll cruise at 34k per hour and, and feel... About 20 meters. Leave it about 20 meters. Off. I'll stick my head out the window and this is what it likes. This is what it feels like to be Keith <laughs> Higgins. Um, they were just, I mean... I think the reason everybody's excited for this game, rightly or wrongly, because we just lean into mythology, is they just were the most amazing games. Like, no more than this year. Quite a few of those seasons weren't being talked about as really good football years. And yet, the Mayo-Dublin games would almost save the year and leave such an amazing aftertaste that people would say, do you know what, it wasn't a bad season after all. Can you now, several years on, the disappointment I'm sure looms large, but um, can you now reflect on them and say, God, they were great games, maybe maybe even watch them back and appreciate them. Could you appreciate at the time that they were special? Um, probably, well, I think zero six 6 and 12, you probably did appreciate that there was something big about them ones because... You won them, Keith. We won them ones, yeah, obviously. <laughs> and there was again, there was again, there was something about six, obviously, with the whole Hill sixteen thing. Yeah, I know it may have been in a, a final in zero four, but you know we weren't in regular finals or semi finals at that stage. Um, Twelve, obviously, because it was a brand new team under James, his second year. You know, again, there was a whole us going ten points up, them coming back to within three, and Bernard Brogan having the chance. There was nearly a circus kind of around some of them games. Yeah, do you know. Um, so then when you kind of, it's funny, I think I look back on the 0-6 game there maybe last year or even doing COVID, it actually wasn't that good a game. <laughs> you know, when you actually look back and you kind of think, Jesus, it was an average enough game. It was just a really exciting start and a really exciting finish. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? 
And I think probably the same, like you said there, with some of them games, like even 16 was the, the two games I don't think were great games of football. It's just because they were so dramatic towards the end of it, they kind of probably were hyped up a bit. Were they not great games? No. I don't know. I, again, I'm just kind of thinking maybe from my own memory. I, I just don't think the, probably the skill quality was huge in those games. Um, now, look, I, I could be wrong and people might mis- um, correct me on that. But again, like I said, I haven't looked back on a huge amount. Obviously, you do your kind of analysis the following year on bits of them, but I've never actually sat down and watched them in, f- in full length, to be honest. Okay. But I just, uh, maybe, again, like I said, maybe it's just my mind, um, but I just didn't think 16 were, were huge quality, where 17, you could say, it was probably as good as yeah. as we could have given. I think it's probably as, as up there as good as Dublin could would have given. But like you said there, I think you probably, was it 50, 16 maybe? There was a couple of Dublin carry epics in semifinals as well. Um, and again, you probably, you know, you have a good couple of good semifinals, you have a good final, and all of a sudden it's, it's a great year of football. And I think mm. it's probably a bit similar to the way things kind of are at the moment, you know? Yeah. The last round of qualifier games, a um, couple of good quarterfinals, or preliminary quarterfinals, and all of a sudden, you know, it's a good year of football again. Whereas you go back two months ago, people were giving out about everything. Who did you tend to mark more often than not? I seemed to get Dean Rock a lot, kind of, in, I think around 16, 17. Um, what challenge did he pose? Um, funny because and again I don't mean this in any great disrespect to Dean because we had some really good battles but he, he, was, he wasn't he was the forward who was always showing for the ball you know he wasn't their kind of real ball winner um, and again the way Dublin played is they never looked to kick a huge amount of ball in they'd always kind of work it fairly methodically especially kind of towards 2017 that area mm. area there was Kilkenny would get on the ball a huge amount of possession they'd work it up and then they'd obviously look to get con these boys on it so Fairness to Dean, he, he would always be honest, but he was never the real kind of real hard ball winner. I think he kind of seems to have changed that again the last couple of years. I know he hasn't played much this year, but um, but again, he was the type of guy you couldn't go taking a chance and leaving him because he'd easily put in the back of the net and end up with 110 behind his name. Yeah. And did you quite like that? I mean, would you have rather kind of been wrestling with Kilkenny and very involved in the game? Were you happy enough to trot around a little bit after Dean Rock and, and keep your, your powder dry? Yeah, in 16, I kind of was. Yeah, well, 15, I think it was on Paddy Andrews for a while. Um, but yeah, 16, I was. That was my, I was back in cornerback. That was my job. We kept McLaughlin doing the sweeper role in front of us. 17, my role changed. I was actually playing the sweeper role. So yeah, um, I was trying to get free a lot of the time. But in fairness, Dublin, they were kind of cute enough. I think Dean Rock came out of the half forward line for a while, which meant I think Chris might have had to go back to the corner and. You know, just they kind of they set it up so that I was kind of nearly been marked as well, if you know what I mean. Yes. Um, or I had to pick up someone. Whereas in the previous games or the Kerry games, the Ross Common games, they were always dropping a fall, which meant I was kind of naturally freed up. Whereas Dublin made sure you were kind of engaged the whole time. So yeah. fair something they they kind of copped on. They were fairly good at that. Yeah, that, you've probably just given us a brief insight into the amount of chess that was quietly being played and maybe wasn't catching the eye necessarily. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think that was kind of going on all the time. I think, in particularly, probably when Stephen came in in 16 and 17, he was very good, kind of tactically like that. You know, he was always looking at ways of, you know, how we could set up, who we could free up, mm. where we wanted to free up that person, who their free person was, who was going to track them, where the kickouts were going to go. There was so much stuff that went on pre game um, that, yeah, it wasn't just a case of picking your best 15 and going at it. Yeah, I'll bet. So uh, it's interesting you've never watched them back. Will you ever, do you think? I don't know. Uh, I probably will at some stage. Like I said, I think I watched back the 2012 All-Ireland there. I know that wasn't against Dublin, but I think I watched it back during lockdown because it was on 
there were so many games shown through yeah. lockdown there with COVID, you know. But and again, I just found it very hard to watch because you you find yourself watching it really kind of nearly analyzing everything. Yeah. And the amount of ball we actually kicked away that day, you find yourself getting frustrated watching it again. So yeah, I'll bet I probably will at some stage. But I think at the moment you're just kind of like going right. Well, twelve was the horrific start. Um, yeah, the Murphy goal. Mm. But even like we kind of got it back to three points for long stages of that game, and we had so many chances. We just kicked away again. Like back then, it was we were very much like just get it and try and kick it into the full forward line from fifty or sixty yards. You mm. know, and against any goal that was never going to work. So. No. You found yourself doing some st- stuff that day that you thought was so very naive considering who you were playing. Yeah. Uh, and you're probably analysing it now, knowing what football is like now compared to back 10 years ago, which is never good either because it's no. a completely different game. Painful, painful, uh, I would think. So it, it's it's a funny thing to segue into where we are today. I suppose one of the complaints against a lot of the football at the moment is there is like a great sophistication about what we're seeing. Teams are set up so well defensively uh, as is their right and then the opposition in possession are not just going to kick the way the ball away stupidly as is their right and so we have something of a stalemate uh, and it, would, it feels like possession going nowhere uh, for far too long and I'm not sure how we uh, disentangle that particular sticking point at the moment yeah and, and I don't either um, do you find it a hard it, watch at times uh, yeah definitely I think at times you do and I suppose particularly probably that was kind of the case in probably in the league and probably the earlier on championships where the weather isn't great, the pitch is that small bit heavier. I think when you're playing against a defence like that, yeah, you have to move the ball, you have to have you know your width and your depth and yeah. you have to kind of have your runners coming through. And But at the same time, it has to be done at pace. To, to kind of trouble any defence, it has to be done at pace. You look at Dave McBride's goal the last year, the perfect example, came through nearly at top speed. Quick hand pass, quick hands from Edo, and next thing he's kind of beaten the cover. So everything like that to be defense has to be kind of done at pace. And probably in the earlier rounds, it wasn't possible given the conditions and all that type of thing. So, but look, I don't know what the answer is to it. Mm. I think you can kind of come up with bringing in rules of saying you have to keep three players up front and all this type of thing. But that's only going to lead to kind of further problems, I think, that you probably don't see at the moment. You know, if it's a case if you have to keep three players up, um, yeah, you have to keep three other pairs back. The other 12 pairs are just going to go back behind the 45 and clog up the space the same way they did before. Yeah, And then you're looking at a case of, well, to get from defence to attack, you're going to have to need pure athletes. So in certain circumstances, then you're kind of really skillful players might be losing out a small bit, you know. So there's going to be knock-on effects to kind of rule changes like that. I just think, again, you look back, this probably whole thing and you start probably back around 2011, 2012, and it's adapted so much since then. It went from being really defensive. Then you had teams like Dublin, Kerry Mayo going really just, yeah. playing attack and football yeah. then it came back again to kind of a bit more defensive so it is going to evolve again in the next couple of years someone will come up with something different some way of beating it you know you look at like some Derry and these guys are coming up with different ways now we're just putting four or five minutes either 21 and creating the space further out so the top coaches will always adapt um, and I think the whole thing will change again in the next couple of years but I just don't see the point in the kind of thinking with rule changes for the sake of it because they will have knock-on effects mm. Uh, final one then uh, to Sunday and like uh, there's such anticipation and the whole weekend should be spectacular and what a start with Kerry Tyrone as well which is its whole other saga separate to Dublin Mayo how do you see Dublin Mayo because we were talking about it on Monday and we were like uh, talking about well, Mayo will bring an intensity and a, and a pace and chaos and throw everything at Dublin and be everything Dublin don't want and then there's you know Texter's making the point sorry is this the same Mayo that like didn't score against Cork for about 20 minutes and were beaten and you know I I, I think Dublin will be just fine um, how do you how, <laughs> how close do you see this one um, it's, yeah 
I wouldn't be like it's the type of game I wouldn't be surprised if it went to extra time like 2021 I wouldn't be surprised if it was a case of there was a five or six point gap on either side it's potential to be anything really you know I think it's kind of from my point of view I think I find it very hard to see exactly where Dublin are at at the moment Yeah, I think they've mixed the very good with the very bad all year um, if they get their strongest team out if they have Mannion fully fit McCaffrey fully fit of the if they've their their top players on the pitch, I think you probably have to tip them slightly. But at the same time, if Mayo can play with the small bit more control that they have shown at times this year, in fairness, and then bring that bit of chaos and that intensity when they need to, I think there's there's no reason why they can't win the game. So I think from a Mayo point of view, they're going to have to mix it up. They're going to, have to be very, very controlled at times. They'll be very patient because Dublin will look to hold the ball at times like they do best and like mm-hmm. they've seen that Mayo have struggled with at times. So, they will have to be very, very patient. They will have to be patient on the ball then because Dublin will get bodies back. But like it's just a case of trying to mix it up. I mean, you look at that 2021 game, I think Mayo were nearly with the eight points down, seven points down yeah, at one stage. Yeah. Uh, it was all over. And then they brought that bit of chaos to it and they managed to just bring it back. So if they can mix the two of them together um, and bring that, like there was a real intensity to that goal game at times that asked that we probably hadn't seen from Mayo in a while. Mm. I think I'll bring that at the right times. There's no reason why Mayo can't win that game, but I just find it hard to call because I just I don't know where Dublin are at. Yeah. So we haven't seen a real consistent performance from them. Well, here's hoping it's a great game that lives up to the last decade's offering. Keith Higgins, four times an all-star. Thanks so much. Good to talk to you again, Keith. Thanks very much, Joe. Thanks for having me on. Cheers. Keith Higgins there, live on the line. And our Gaelic football coverage and off the ball is in partnership with AIB. Proud sponsors of the GAA Senior Football Championship. You can check it, hashtag the toughest for more. We are talking about Robbie Keane's move to Tel Aviv next.